Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So this morning, we are wrapping up this series we have called This is Community. And we're talking about the core values of what makes Northgate, Northgate. What it means uh, and how it makes us better as a faith community when we're all united around these core values. And uh, we've got five of them. We talked the first week about being a grace-filled community. And what that means is that we are all people here because of God's grace, and we are all here to extend grace to one another, which means that everybody is welcome and accepted just the way that they are, because that's the way God and His grace has accepted us. And along with that, the idea that we are all people in process. We're at different places in our journey of faith. Um, we're all at different levels of maturity, but we are all moving in the same direction. So we have a responsibility as a church family to be helping one another move forward in this journey of faith. We're all people in process. We're at different places in that process, but we're always here to help one another moving forward together. And we do that through what we call redemptive relationships, which is living with the understanding that God has placed me in this neighborhood, in this family, um, in this work environment, in this um, school, wherever it might be, to make connections with people in such a way that God's grace and his mercy can be shown them through us. And we want to be redemptive in our relationships recognizing that they are something that God has put in our lives. And then last week, we talked about this idea of a lifestyle of worship, that worship is not just something we do for an hour on a weekend. It's, it's the expression of our whole lives in gratitude and thanks to God. And so those are the four that we've talked about. This morning, we're going to talk about the last one. We're going to talk about generous living. We're not talking about it last because it's the least important. It probably is the most important, but it is one of the hardest for us, I think, to kind of get our minds around. Or maybe we can get our minds around it in theory, but actually practicing it, that's where it gets a little more difficult. So I want to talk a little bit about this idea of generous living. And, and I want to start with this idea. I want you to know, um, this has been a, a journey for me. Um, I, I always, for a good part of my life, I thought generosity was for wealthy people, you know, people who had a little bit extra, and that wasn't me. Now, it's not that I didn't learn about giving. My parents taught me from the very beginning. My very first job, my first paper route was that you give 10% of your income back to the work of God. And, and that's always been a part of my life, that, that tithe to the, to the church. That's always been a part of my life. And in fact, even since we, our married life, Betty and I together, that's always been something that we have practiced. But this idea of above and beyond, this generous living idea, I always kind of thought, well, that's not me because I don't have that much. I mean, that's for people who have extra. You can afford to be generous when you've got extra to give. And one of the things that I have discovered over the last 20 to 30 years now, and it's been a journey, sometimes slow, but that that's not how generosity works. Generosity doesn't start when I feel like now I have extra. That actually generous living starts when I make a decision to live a generous life. And in making that decision, I start giving and being generous. And that's how it happens. And so this morning, it's, it's one of the things that I have learned and been on a journey on in my own life. Um, it's something that I think we as a church have been on a journey on. It's been one of our values from the very, very beginning. But particularly in these last couple of years, we have seen God just move in such a way that has moved this idea of generous living to the forefront of who we are as a church family, as well as in our individual lives. 
So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. It's this idea of living a generous life. And probably the best passage in all of Scripture that's the clearest about all of this is found in Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. So if you want to pull out your Bibles and and, uh, follow along with me, it's right in the middle of his second letter. Um, It's chapter 8, and we're going to read in verse 7. He writes these words, Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we've, you've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Just excel in this grace of giving. Well, how do you do that? What does that look like? Well, turn the page, chapter 9. He gives some very practical instructions on this. Beginning of verse 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written... They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, It is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Why is generosity so important to God? Why do you find all the way through Scripture God bringing these principles light? He tells Abraham that I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing all through his, the nation of Israel. I have blessed you to be a blessing. Jesus taught about it to his disciples. He talked more about money than any other individual subject. The early church demonstrated it to the point where it says in Acts chapter 2 that there were no needy persons among them. The outpouring of generosity is an expression, expression of their faith. And, and Paul continued to teach in, about it to the other churches beyond Jerusalem. Why is it so important to God? Why is this idea of generosity so crucial to him? I want to start with this thought. That generosity is absolutely essential to your spiritual formation. It is crucial to your growth in spiritual maturity. He writes, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. What he's saying is this is not an afterthought. This is not extra credit. This is not an elective. This is part of the core curriculum. Now, when you were going through school, there were certain classes you had to take. When you got to middle school and high school, they started offering these things called electives. We actually got to study something that you really wanted to study or take a class about something that you really wanted to learn about. But there was also these things that were called the core curriculum. Everybody had to learn these things. 
I remember, I don't even know if they still do this, but back when I was in elementary school, a long, long time ago, um, part of the core curriculum was penmanship. Does that, do they still have that? Okay, penmanship was required. You had to, now, on more than one occasion, I would get straight A's except for penmanship. It was my word, as careful as I tried to draw, the, you know, and practice my handwriting, I just, to this day, my handwriting is just illegible to anybody. It's illegible to me sometimes. Yeah, I would like if that was not a part of the core curriculum, but it was. And Paul is saying the very same thing. He says, listen, you are growing by leaps and bounds in your faith and in your speech and in your earnestness and your love for God and all these things. You are growing in so many different ways. Make sure, make sure that you also excel in your giving. Because this is essential. Why is it so essential? Because what he does is he ties it to God's grace and generosity extended to us. He says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. See, giving, grace, gratitude, generosity, they all come from the same root word in the Greek language. It's all about God's generous gift to us. That's what he's saying. He's saying, God has been gracious to you. God has been generous to you. God, through Jesus Christ, became poor so that because of his poverty, you could become rich. What he's saying is, I want you to become generous because that's the way God is toward you. I I want you to become generous because that's the way Jesus has been toward you. See, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a God follower, then part of what that looks like is living a generous life. And he goes on and talks about this, that each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What he's saying is, listen, I could guilt you into this. I I could pressure you about this, but that's not going to change your heart. I want you to become generous because that's the way God has been with you. See, if, if I give based on feelings of guilt, I might be a little generous for a little while until I don't feel guilty anymore, and then I'll get over it and I'll move on. If I, if I give and I become generous because of a need that I see or, or, or sense or hear about, then I will be a little generous for as long as that need kind of bothers me, and then it'll go back to the regular way of doing things. But see, if I'm going to be generous the way God has been generous with me, if I'm going to be gracious in the way God has been gracious with me, if I'm going to be merciful in the way that God has been merciful with me, see, that's how all of these core values are all based on what God has done to us and how he has treated us. It changes everything. Because now the motivation isn't how good I feel about it or how much I might be moved about it or how guilty someone might make me feel. The motivation is I want to be more like God. And he has been generous with me. And it becomes a matter of who I am. It becomes a matter of my heart. And that's what God is after. 
That's why when Jesus talked about it, he talked about this idea is that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That the greatest um, um, measurement of where our heart is at is what we do with the resources that we have. It's a reflection of our heart. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. But what he wants is my heart. He wants your heart. And the way that that's shown is in the way that I give. Now, that's not like the government. See, the government just wants your money. You know, and, and they, arrest. they don't care about your heart. They just want your money. I have yet to see on my 1040 form, every time I feel out, anywhere that there is a box that you can check and says, how does your heart feel about this? If there was a box, I would be sure to let them know how I feel about that. But that's not what they're interested in. God, on the other hand, cares about your heart. And that's why Paul says, do it as an expression of how God has treated you. That's the true motivation. And do it prayerfully, deciding in your heart. Do it willingly, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And do it cheerfully, because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, that doesn't mean that it will not sometimes be uncomfortable. That doesn't mean that it will not sometimes stretch you. But what it will do is change your heart. A year ago, actually a year ago today, we did something through, through the month of January. We ended on Super Bowl Sunday. We did something we called Try the Tithe. And we took some time to teach a little bit about this idea of generous living. We actually took a couple of weeks to talk about it. But one of the things that we did was we took the pattern from Scripture. We said, we're not going to twist your arm. We're not going to be heavy-handed about this. We're not going to sit down with you and find out, okay, what's your income? This is how much we expect to see. We just told people, this is what God says about this. Now, you pray about this. You decide it, and just try the tithe. And do you know that this year, over the course of this last year, we had over 300 people make first-time decisions to just start giving? That's huge. And, and what's, what's bigger about it is the stories that we have gotten back from people is this has changed my heart. This has changed the way that I look at the resources that I have. And that's the real point. That's what God is after. Second idea, that generosity involves every aspect of your life. It's not just about money. Because you have all kinds of resources at your disposal. Generous living is about more than money. He says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Every good, notice that, every good work. It's not just about money, it's about every good work. And he says, by the way, when you do this, you don't miss out. Because God takes care of you as you take that step of faith. In fact, I'd like you to read this out loud with me because I want you to be really, really clear. Paul is very, very clear about all this. Read this together with me. He says, God is able to bless you so that in and at having you will in every good work. This is, I, I don't want you to be confused about this at all. He says, if you've got some doubts about this, if you've got some questions about well, what about, well, what about, well, what about, he says, listen, at all times, in all ways, having all that you need, in all things, you will abound in every good work. In that, it is a step of faith. But you never miss out when you start living a generous life. 
And what it does is it starts to spread into every area of life. You will abound in every good work. Now, think about that. You have all kinds of different resources at your disposal. You have time. You have talents and skills and abilities. You have, you have um, knowledge and understanding about certain things that other people may not have. And God wants you to be generous in every aspect of your life, to use those other resources at your disposal to live a generous life. So you could live generously with your time. In fact, I would say in the 21st century, our time is probably our greatest commodity. People will spend money to have more time. <laughs> and, 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 and just a simple thing of spending time with somebody who needs your time can be an act of generosity. Skills, abilities, and talents. Maybe you have carpentry skills. You could help repair somebody's blown, blown down fence. Okay, you, you, could, you, could, um, you could use your, your knowledge of, of certain things to help somebody solve a problem that they're dealing with. You could open your home and use that as a resource for God's work. You could mow your neighbor's lawn just as an act of generosity. You could send a gift card to somebody who might be in need. Here's one. This one's kind of a tough one for me. When you go out to eat at a restaurant, tip well. <laughs> yeah, all of the servers, waitresses, and waiters in the audience said, Amen. <laughs> Because they rely on that as much as not more than their actual salary. Just, it gets you in a generous spirit. You can be generous with your abilities. We have people in our church family that serve as mentors in, in the um, Liberty High School Continuation High School here in town. And it's just, they get assigned a group of kids. And their job is just to help make sure they stay on track to graduation. And we have people who volunteer their time to do that. We have other people in our church that we, when we partner with First Baptist Church Vallejo who serve the needy and serve the hungry in the city of Vallejo on a regular basis. You could do that. See, when you make a decision to live a generous life, you will find there are all kinds of different opportunities and different ways to do that. We do outreach events on a regular basis here that we do not charge for. We just do it to love on our communities. The Family Spring Fest is one of them. Trunk or treat. That takes hundreds of volunteers and people giving of their time and their skills and their abilities. And you could be a part of that. In fact, this year we've decided our Spring Fest, we're doing not just in Benicia, we're doing it also in Vallejo. That's going to take more volunteers in the same way that Trunk or Treat back in October took more people involved in doing that. You could be a part of that. We have a group of people, we have eight people right now who have committed to use their summer vacation this year to go on a short-term mission trip. You could volunteer your, your vacation time in that way. One of the things we've done for the last couple of years is we've, we've sponsored a walk for water. And our goal is to raise enough money to drill wells in Uganda and Kenya so people can have fresh, clean, safe drinking water. And, and our missions team met last week and started planning, the, making the final preparations for this year's walk for water. And the last two years, we've raised enough each, year, each walk for water to, to be able to drill four wells. This year, they said, you know what? We got to up it. 
And so we made a decision last weekend. We have set a goal of being able to drill seven wells this year. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to take a whole lot of generosity. <laughs> it's going to take people volunteering. It's going to take getting the word out. It's going to, be take, it's going to take volunteering of your money too. Because to drill seven wells is going to be somewhere around the neighborhood of $75,000. That's a lot of money. And it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of work to do it. But you could be involved in that. See, it's not just your money. It's about living a generous lifestyle. And in that, you reflect God's work. You might think, well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't have the time. I don't have those resources. Yes, you do. And remember, it's a step of faith. Paul goes on, he says, listen, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. By the way, on your outline there, I want you to circle those two words, so that, in both of those passages, in both of those sentences. He says, this is the reason. Have you ever wondered why you live where you live and why you have the resources that you have? Have you ever wondered why God has so blessed your life? It's so that, so that, so that you can abound in every good work and so that you can be generous on every occasion. That's the reason. So that. So that you could abound in every good work and be generous on every occasion. Have you ever noticed that everything about God's creation has this cycle of generosity to it? You ever thought about that? Everything in all creation has this cycle of receiving and giving. Receiving and giving. Our, the ocean waters evaporate and form clouds that travel over land, which fortunately for us today, rain <laughs> and snow, and provide water to the inland areas, and they form rivers that begin to run back down into the sea, only to be evaporated again, form clouds, come, and, and there's this cycle of receiving and giving. It's in every aspect of God's creation. A plant grows and, and, and develops fruit, and in the fruit there is seed. And the, and the fruit fall, falls to the ground. And in that fruit, as it decomposes, it provides the nutrients for that seed to multiply and grow another plant, which produces more seeds, which produce more plants. Which This is a cycle. It is all throughout God's creation, which says to us that we were created to not be hoarders. We were created to be givers. Because God is a giver. His creation reflects his generosity and his giving. And so it is with us. And when we do that, and this is the last part of it, that generosity then produces eternal results. That God does his work in this world through you and your resources, through me and my resources. See, that's how he does his work. He goes on, he says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That God uses our generosity to accomplish His work. Two years ago, we took this big step of faith and just decided we were going to start this thing called the Dollar Club. And we committed to it. We just said, okay, we're going to do this. Whether anybody participates or not, we are going to do this. And we get story after story after story of how it has affected and changed people's lives. Because God produces eternal results when his people are generous. Something that we did together as a church. Last week, um, 
we do about every six weeks, we have what we call a new friends connection. And it's just for anybody who's come into the Northgate family in the last couple of weeks, maybe the last month or two. And it's a chance to meet the pastors and find out a little bit and hear our story and hear the story of the church. And then for us to get to meet people as well. And one of the things that we do is if we first kind of go around and we each uh, introduce each of the pastors and we tell a little bit of our story and how we ended up here at Northgate and what our responsibilities are. And then what we do is we go around the room, we ask everybody, tell us your story. And we just ask them, first introduce yourself and then answer two questions. First question is, how did you first come to Northgate? And the second question is, what made you want to come back a second time? And we had this this last weekend, and, and it was just so cool. One of the stories, one of the, just a new attender here at Northgate told the story. She was about to lose her house. Um, in fact, she would, had, her husband had left her and had not told her for the last six months he had not made the house payment. So not only had she been left by her husband, she was left with a house, and now she, she had six months worth of house payment, no way she could possibly make up. And then on top of all of that, her home had been broken into, and just about everything she owned had been stolen. And she's a server at Olive Garden, and she was serving and one of the members, one of the tenders of a family from our church. And the, the, person, the, the wife just commented, she said, oh, I love your earrings. And she said, well, thank you. It's about the only thing I have left in this world. And she said, really, what happened? She, said, she kind of told the story, and then she apologized. She said, you know, I, I shouldn't be telling you this. This is not appropriate at all. And she said, no, 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 no. I think God brought us here for you because our church has this thing called the Dollar Club, and we can help you. And took down her, her contact information, contacted the church office. We were able to help her and bless her with $750, which didn't make up all those house payments, but it gave her something to start on, and it gave her a start, and God just continued to bless. And she said, the reason I came to Northgate was because I found a group of Christians who were acting like Christians, and that made me want to come. Yeah, that's what Paul's talking about. That's what Paul's talking about. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. In other words, he says, they see that it's not just talk. He says, your confession of the gospel, what you say, yeah, that's important. But when you show generosity, when you give, what it says to people around you is this isn't just talk. This is real life. And it accomplishes eternal results. I want to read you another one. I got this email just this week. Her name is Blanche Hillman. Blanche Hillman uh, works with Benicia Family Resource Center, which helps families in need in, in our community here, in the community of Benicia. Um, she writes this, Dear Pastor Ken, my name is Blanche Hillman. I work at Family Resource Center here in town. I'm sorry that it's taken me this long to contact you. I wanted to convey my deepest gratitude on behalf of the families of Benicia that I work with. Thanks to the generosity of your parishioners, many of them were adopted into your holiday program at Thanksgiving and Christmas, which helped make the holidays brighter for them. Also, your dollar collection, dollar club, and then she put in parentheses, a brilliant idea, by the way, has helped several of our most needy families. Carol has been wonderful to work with as a, li as a liaison, as well as Joe, who coordinated the Thanksgiving meals. They are both tremendous assets to your church. We are so blessed in Benicia to have a community of such caring people that give out so much out of love. We truly appreciate all your church has done. Sometime, I hope to stop by Northgate and thank you in person. That's what Paul is talking about. 
And sometimes you might think, does it make a difference? Is it really helping? Am I just enabling people's bad decisions, financial decisions? You see, I'm not saying those are bad questions to ask ourselves from time to time, but that's really not the point. See, what's really the point is that God's work is done in this world. God's work is done in you. And that people get a glimpse of His generous grace. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Thank you.